Good morning. It's great to see everybody this morning. Um, I was uh, playing flag football a couple years ago, and <clears throat> it was in Giant Stadium. I hadn't, I wasn't in the NFL yet. I was in, the, I was playing flag football, and uh, I got hit in the back. I got kneed and knocked the wind out of me. But when I hit the ground, I knew it was a lot worse than that. And uh, so I got my wind back, but it still it hurt like crazy. And so they got me up, and they, they took me out to this tunnel. They had some safety people back there. And they asked me, do you want to take a ride? Uh, do you want to ride with your wife to the hospital, or do you want to get an ambulance? And it really hurt. And I had one thing on my mind. Get this pain. Like, this pain needs to go away. I need to get the pain gone. How do I get the pain gone? And so I'm thinking, I'm thinking ambulance, big, soft bed that you lie on, right? And certainly they're ambulance people. Maybe they can give me something to get rid of the pain right away. And so, uh, ambulance, let's go ambulance. So they say, okay, sit here in this chair. And I'm sitting in the chair forever. It, it wasn't quite forever, but it was really close. And, and I, it, it, it hurt so bad. And so finally the ambulance comes. I'm like, oh, good, no bed. They walk in, they go, oh, follow us. Walk out to the ambulance. And I, I, I fully expected walk into the ambulance and bed. Walk into the ambulance, sit on this metal bench on the side of the ambulance. And ride to the ambulance. There must have been 10 tr train tracks we went over on the way to the... You're like, ah, I only want one thing. Get rid of the pain. So, of course, you go in the emergency room. You go through the process. And, uh, and you know, are you Okay. No, I'm not okay. I need, to, I need something to take care of the pain. And so then they finally set you in this waiting room. You're in the waiting room, and, and the doctor will be in in a little bit. Long time, right? Doctor comes in, asks you questions, da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. You're like, doctor, shot, something. Give me something to take away the pain. I'll be back to talk to you. I'll talk to you in a little bit. We'll be back in a little bit. Like, they do that three times. How many times in your life do you say to yourself, all I need is to get rid of the pain? That's all I need. Just get rid of the pain. Your pain may not be physical. It may be emotional. It may be relationship. It may be betrayal. It may be a broken dream where you, you were sure, and you're like, this is what my life is going to be. It's going to be great. This is what I was created for. And it's been broken. Maybe you're going through a divorce, or you've been through a divorce. It's pain. And, it, and you just cry out. You know what you need. Get rid of the pain. Well, today's message is, is entitled, Let God Comfort You. Let God Comfort You. And we're going to take a, a, a look at a, a passage that has this one phrase in it, which is, my grace is sufficient for you. We're going to look at that passage and look into it just a little bit. And then we're going to kind of walk through uh, this phrase, my grace is sufficient for you. And we're going to take each of those words and mine that a little bit and, and see, does God have comfort for us? How do, I, how do I let God comfort me? How do I interact with him? As I, as I suffer. And so we're going to start with uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 8. The context of this is Paul has been given 
uh, knowledge that really no one else was given. He, he uh, became a believer, and after he became a believer, and first he persecuted Christians. He had them killed, and then after he becomes a believer, after he becomes a believer, uh, he is actually taken up into something called third heaven. I don't know what that is, but uh, none of us have ever been there. And he gets taught directly by Christ about what the gospel means, what, it, what actually happens to you when Christ makes you a new person. And then he comes back down and he starts planting churches. He, he, he starts churches just like we started Skyline. Um, and so to keep him from being proud, from keep, to keep him from being overwhelmed with pride, because he does know, I mean, he and I know more than anybody else in the world. Like that attitude you have, right? Well, what if you, what if you actually did know more than everybody else in the world? And so he was given something a suffering, to keep him from becoming proud. And we don't know what the suffering is. Um, he, he never makes that clear. Uh, there's, uh, there's passages where it talks about his eye. He had, he had eye troubles. Um, so many, many people think that it was some kind of physical ailment that way, but we don't know for sure. And so he did what we would do. He said, God, take away the pain. He says, three times I pleaded I went before God and I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. God, take away the pain. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. He said, no. God said, no. He went to the emergency room. He said, take my pain away. Please take my pain away. Please take my pain away. And God said, why? He says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. How many of you want to experience the power of God? You want to experience the power of God. Not just live life and, and be like, hey, you, you're born, you do the best you can, and you die. You're like, no, I want to connect to my creator. I want to experience the power of God. Now, I'm going to presume two things today. One is that you already somewhat either believe the Bible or you know that the Bible teaches that God is the creator. He has all the power. The, the question isn't, does God have the power to take away the pain? He absolutely has the power to take away the pain. And he has all the power. I, I need the power. And number two... You want to experience the power of God. That may not be true for all of you, but as believe, for every believer, it is true. Like they want to experience, they want to interact with God in that way. And you also know that when you're suffering, you need power. You need it. Is made perfect in weakness. Perfect doesn't mean it was broken and now I fixed it. It means it's made complete. It becomes effective. It does something amazing. It, it works. It becomes perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. This is foreign. This is totally foreign to us. You sit around with a couple of guys and they start telling stories. 
You just watch the eyes of the guy who's telling the story about how much weight he lifted or how, what size of fish he caught or the way he drove something, right? The other four guys are not listening to the story anymore. They're thinking, what bigger fish did I catch? What, what stronger weights did I, did I lift? What did I do? How can I tell the next story? You don't sit there going, yeah, how small of a fish did I catch? What weakness did I have? Right? It's, not, it's not natural for us. What's natural for us is to glory in our strengths. He says, so that Christ's power may rest on me. The way I experience the power of God is not by becoming a better person. The way I experience the power of God is not by telling God, listen, sit down, I've got it taken care of, wait till you see what I do. The way I experience the power of God is actually my weaknesses. I want you to take 15 seconds and, and right now already admit this fact. That's not how I live my life. That's not how I live my life. I live my life going, all right, show me my weaknesses. i got to fix them. Right? You want to be successful? Identify your weaknesses and fix them. Well, when it comes to suffering, the Bible says that's not the answer. That's not the path. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The ability to go through suffering and to be delighted in the suffering. That's impossible. You may not agree with me about that. I think that's impossible. I've seen people fake it a lot, especially church people. Church people love to fake it. I'm so grateful for this. Da, 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 da. Lori's going to come up and share a little bit. She, she has arthritis. And people are like, are you, are you are they thankful for the arthritis? I mean, on stage I am. <laughs> but no. He, acts, he gets to the place where he's grateful for the suffering. The weakness he has in the suffering. Now, what the passage is saying is that when that happens, or when you experience God's power in weakness, the impossible does happen. Who's more powerful? The person who can make the pain go away? Or the person who experienced divine power in the pain. Who's more powerful? The guy who can go to the hospital, get some shots, get some meds, or the guy who can play 
with broken ribs. I just thought that went up, by the way. I didn't say that in the first service. <laughs> so let's, let's work through this phrase, my grace is sufficient for you. And if you have your notes there, then under this first one, you would underline my, okay? My grace. Whose grace is it? It's God's grace. It's not your grace. It's God's grace. And <clears throat> who is this God? What's he like? What does he, how does he interact with your weakness? What's he do when he sees you in suffering? He says in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. So one of the things that makes this my, that makes the God of the Bible amazing, is that he runs to the brokenhearted. He runs to the crushed. He's not, he's not put off by it. He, you're like, wait, he's great and mighty and perfect. Why would, yeah, he's greaty and mighty and perfect. And he runs. He's near the brokenhearted and the crushed. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Now, some of you right now are, are, are in suffering, and, and you're going, that's not true. I'm suffering. I'm not experiencing any of that. Is that because the only way that you can interact with God is God take away my pain? I don't care what the doctor thinks. All I care about is take away my pain. Psalms 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's powerful. Why would I not fear evil? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. My, it is God's grace. First principle, run to God in suffering. Run to God in suffering. Don't, don't run away. Don't think I'm suffering must be God's not happy. The exact opposite is true. I'm suffering. He is near me. Run to God. Second thing, my grace. So underlying grace. My grace is sufficient for you. Uh, if you've come to Christ, you remember there's a really important part of coming to Christ. There's a part you played. So Christ comes to you and he makes these grand promises. Grand promises. That he knows your sin. He knows all your sin. All of it. Every bit of it. And you're like, oh, like you mean where I broke what the Bible says? No, he knows where you broke what you said. What do you mean? All the promises you made to yourself and to other people that you broke. All the vows you made to yourself and the people you love, but you broke them. He knows about all that. 
And he says, I don't want you to live in eternity with yourself. Have you ever thought about that? People talk about heaven and hell, and those are real. Don't get me wrong. But you know what God wants to save me from? He wanted, me to, sa- he wanted to save me from living with all eternity with me. That's what I'm most grateful about. And he said, listen, my role is I have all the power. I have all the goodness. I have all the forgiveness. I have the ability to wash you and make you clean. Your role is to bring the garbage to me. At that moment, I had nothing to bring to God. He saved me by grace. It's out of the goodness of his own heart. It wasn't out of my strength or what I brought to the table. It's out of the goodness of his own heart. Now we're going to apply that to suffering. He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins. That's what I just described. God could have have given me any list and said, Chris, if you do these two things, you can come to heaven. I wouldn't have done them. I'd have broke them. I know. How do I know? The list of promises I've made to myself, are on, it's very long. The list of promises I've broke to myself, it's equally as long. It is by grace you've been saved. Which, by the way, if, you ever, if we ever become a proud church or we're a proud people, we, we've missed the whole thing. Why? We, we are only saved by grace. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He took me from there and he put me with Christ in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. What's that mean? It means when you see me in heaven, you're going to be, I can't believe God. I can't believe that God would show grace to Chris. Now you guys only know me as the pastor who stands up front. If you knew me growing up, you'd be like, that kid don't have a chance. If you could see inside my head, you'd still say, that guy doesn't have a chance. (laughs) What happens is, the trophy is, you go, oh my goodness, look what God did to that person. Look how he changed that person. Expressed in his kindness to Christ Jesus. So, in suffering, in suffering, you run to God humbly. Humbly. You don't run to the doctor going, this is what you need to do for me. I know what I need. You run to the, God go, to the doctor going, God, whatever you want, whatever you think is good for me, that's what I want. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I'm with him. Whatever he says, that's what I want. Therefore, I don't have to fear here. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. 
my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I run to him humbly. Who's going to deliver me? He's going to deliver me. It's him on his terms. My grace is sufficient for you. Sufficient. It's, it's what you need. It's, it's all of what I need. It's everything that I need. My grace is sufficient. It doesn't come up short. This idea, his strength is made perfect in weakness. It shines, it glows. You get to see it in your weakness, not in your strength. The Bible says in Psalm 34, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in their spirit. It's your choice as to whether or not. It is your choice as to whether or not you're experiencing the comfort of God. This is key. You're either running to God and you're running humbly and therefore you're accepting the comfort of God or you're ignoring, running away, or you're like me. You're in the hospital. Like, I didn't like the doctor. I never met the guy before. He was nice to me, and I didn't like him. Why? He did not give me what I wanted when I wanted it. It is your choice if you are treating God that way. Because he is here. He is with you. He is sufficient. He is what you need. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him, delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. So at this point, you don't bring your own strength. You run to God, and you run to God humbly, but you're not making a deal with God. And you don't bring your own strength. This is the really scary part. This is the part where you move from, yeah, I know God, and you, you've read the Bible, and you've figured this thing out, and you've kind of been making deals with God, and you've kind of met him somewhere along the way, and you like the way it's working out. There is a place whereby if God doesn't show up, you're not going to make it. There is a place and God wants to take you to that place. He wants to take you to the place where you stop bringing your strength to God and you go, God, I'm not going to make it. I can't, I can't make it. If you don't save me from this, we're not going to make it. I've been there financially. God, if you don't show up, we're not going to make it. Here's the deal, though. You have to jump off the cliff to find out if he's going to catch you. There is no such thing as, where's the hand? Where's the net? There is only, wait, I'm suffering. This hurts like mad. I want you to take away the pain. You've said no. 
How do I live? How do I make it? What do I do? And many times, and for many people who've been through a divorce that is an ugly divorce where you're betrayed, many, many times, when I walk people through this, they are, I, I, cannot, I cannot make it. They can only live a minute at a time. Okay, God, I, I'm going to trust you for this minute. I'm going to jump for the minute. And then it's five minutes. And then it's an hour. And then it's a day. And then it's a week. And then it's six months. And you have to jump every day. And God catches you every day. What happens when he catches you? His grace is always sufficient. It always gives you what you need. You experience the power of God in a way you never thought was possible. The last one is, my grace is sufficient for you. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. So if you become a believer, you've been raised with Christ. There's, there's really two worlds going on. There's your physical world, and there's your spiritual world. There's your heart. There's who you are. And what the Bible teaches is that you've been raised with Christ. In other words, the picture is that when Christ raised from the dead, you've been raised from the dead too. You're not who you were when you were born. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Think about, consider, your perspective is the perspective of Christ who's seated, who's seated next to God. You've seen that picture in your head many, many times. There's God the Father, the big old grandfather with a long beard, right? And God the Son is sitting next to him. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. Or hidden in Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, when Christ comes back, or when Christ's glory is shown, then you are shown. So it's God the Father, God the Son, and me, and you. All the conversations we ever have, you ever sit next to somebody, or maybe you do it too. Well, I'm the kind of person who, and they go and tell what their perspective of who they are. The Bible teaches as a believer, you are not what your perspective is. You are what Jesus has made you. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, I will never leave you. It is not possible for Christ to leave you. You are his. You belong to him. You're hidden in him. That's you. My grace is sufficient for you. And it's true for every one of you. Never will I forsake you. You're not forsaken. God hasn't forgotten you. He doesn't know you're not. He doesn't not know you're in the suffering. 
He's with you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So I'm asking uh, Lori to come out and uh, share. Uh, she is my professor of suffering. Um, she knows a lot about it because she has a lot of experience with it. Uh, I know we did this in our series, um, in our marriage series. Uh, we won't be doing this every Sunday. Um, I'd be great with it if she did every Sunday, but she serves in Awana and they won't let her come anymore. And, uh, but it just so happens that this series came after it. And so, uh, oh yeah, I don't want you to think I only kiss her in the romantic series. We, we do it all the time. <laughs> so we uh, have a couple of questions for you. This is really more of an interview. Um, so can you describe for us what suffering has been, you've been through? And it doesn't have to be just the arthritis. It can be other things. Well, I told a different story earlier, but I'll, I'll, I got one God's just put on my brain. I don't know why. But um, when, right after I had my third child, her name was Alicia, um, my arthritis, after I have children, acts up really bad, like where I can't walk a lot, I can't do a lot. And one of the number one things I can't do is lift up a baby. And my husband was going to Bible college, and so this story is kind of like a, both emotional and physical pain because um, Christopher was four, five? No. He was four. He was four. And um, when he'd go to Bible college, I had to feed my baby. So my four-year-old had to get my baby out of the crib from sleeping and carry her to me so that I could feed my baby. I didn't want to tell anybody that. I didn't want anybody to know that Lori could not do her job. And so it was both physical and emotional for me to say, God, what are you doing? What, what's going on? But it was very, very hard. And I didn't want to tell anybody because of my pride. So how have you, what are different ways that you've tried to overcome suffering, deal with it? Well, I don't go around people when I'm not feeling well. I have a tendency to do that. And I have a tendency to, um, if you ask me how I'm doing, I'll tell you great. Don't ask me how I'm feeling. Or they'll ask me a question, how, they'll say, how are you feeling? And I'll say, I'm doing great. So you ignore the question. Um, Another way is I will push through and push through. I've had this for years. I've had it since I was a little kid. I'll push through the pain. You just push through it. And the only ones who suffer is my family. Because later that night, Chris has to get me into bed. Chris has to undress me and dress me. You, you, you push through because of pride. It's all because I just don't want people to know what's going on. So she talks about that as being a pride thing, but... There's a balance that we've had to work through our whole lives, and we still work through it from time to time, um, which is uh, you need to keep moving if you have arthritis. You need to push, right? But she would always push way too far, and so we, we really, like, we haven't figured that out 
completely. That's something we just continually continue to work on. Uh, how has God uh, comforted you? How has God shown his grace to be sufficient in the midst of the suffering? So through my experience with the arthritis, I've had a lot, you go up and down a lot. It's an autoimmune disease and you go up and so I'll be doing great and all of a sudden I'll just fall apart. And so I'll, I would, there was one, I remember one time when I was going through a really hard time and um, I couldn't hardly do anything. I couldn't get out of bed, couldn't do anything. And so I had to have people from the church we were going to come over and bring me meals. They'd bring stuff. Fortunately, my kids were in school, so at least while Chris was at working, we were okay there. But she would come over and sit with me and help me, this one particular lady. And I'm telling you, I have a hard time with this. I like to prepare the meals. I do not like to have people prepare them for me. But she came over, and she just spent time with me, sat there and talked with me. And I thought, I'm just wasting this lady's time. She's got better things to do. And we, this went on for about three or four months, maybe even longer than that. And then I remember after it was all over and I was doing better, I was getting around better, I could make my own meals again. And I get this letter from her. I get this letter from her. I'm going to cry about it again. Um, and she says, Lori, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you because during that time that you let me come over and fix those meals and do those things I did, God so used you in my life because we could talk about the Word of God. I learned so much. And, and, and I had no idea half of what I was saying half the time. It was only God. <laughs> God's grace wasn't just sufficient. That word sometimes bothers me. I, I don't know. It's overly sufficient. My heart just grew so when I found out that all that time I thought I was wasting my time in bed. I wasn't doing anything. God took it and he used it. And that lady and her husband went off to another church and did a bunch of really neat stuff. And she says, God used that. He worked in my life. It was just amazing. Awesome. Thanks. <clears throat> Overly. Overly sufficient is where she came to in her life. And as we work through this, you have the opportunity to run to God, run to God humbly, run to God, not with your own strength, but take that risk, jump off that cliff, and to trust him in the suffering. Is it that God never takes the suffering away? Is it that God never says no? No. Many times he does, and we pray for that. We ask for that. But God's perspective is that he is going to take the weakness that we have in the suffering. And he is going to, at that moment, take his grace and his strength is going to do truly unbelievable things. Now, she told that little story in about five minutes. She's lived it for 40 years. She, on a weekly basis, sometimes daily basis, how you doing, Lori? What do you need? I need a new body. Kill me, Chris. Now, she's not suicidal. But she says, she never says it to you, which I'm glad she doesn't. See, I don't want to paint this picture of you go through suffering and, and God comes down on this cloud and... 
it was amazing. That's not true at all. That's not what his, sufficient, his grace is sufficient looks like. What it looks like is you're losing. That's what it looks like. You're losing. And all the while, he is at work. His power is at work changing you from the inside out. And usually you're so focused on your own suffering, you don't even see that people are watching that happen. And that you're touching people in a way you never dreamed possible. And that when you jump off the cliff and you think you're not going to make it and you're all alone, oh, he's there. But there's people that he's impacting through that as that happens. So, what are you going to do? You're going to run toward God in your suffering? Or turn away? Are you going to run toward God in weakness, humbly? Not telling God what he needs to do and what would fix this and how this has to happen, but God, I can't make it. I need you. Are you going to jump off the cliff and go, okay, I'm staying right here in this suffering. I'm going to do what you asked me to do right here in this suffering. And I'm not going to make it unless you show up. When you do, you experience the comfort of God. It's glorious. It's abundantly sufficient. It's amazing. And I want to encourage you to do two things. One, we have a prayer wall set up in the back. And you got some cards. You should got some cards in your program. There's some on that wall in case you didn't. And maybe you're suffering. We want to pray for you. We want to pray together as a family. And so on uh, worship night, a week, of two weeks from now, Good Friday, we're going to have a worship night. We're going to come together and we're going to worship and we're going to take down those cards and we're going to pray through all those cards together. So maybe you're suffering that you're in or you may know somebody who's suffering and you want us to pray for them. Please do that as you leave today. Just pop it up on the, on the wall. The second thing is this. Easter is two weeks away. And you work with, you have family, you have friends, and they're hurting. They have no idea that Jesus could comfort them. They have no idea. They think Jesus is a God who's just out for himself and he wants them to be better, person, better people and they've tried that before. But they might come on Easter. People make that joke about, oh, you only go on Easter. We would love for you to come just on Easter. That's great. Come meet our family. Hear who the real Jesus is really all about. So I want to encourage you, put that little thing on the prayer wall, and this week, invite somebody to come with you on Easter Sunday. Don't let them be out there alone, never even hearing or meeting the Jesus who comforts us. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, I want to pray for first anyone here who says, listen, I'm not so sure about this Jesus. Jesus, reveal yourself to him or her. Reveal yourself. Help them to see who you really are. How good you really are. How gracious, full of grace you are. Then, Lord, I want to pray for those who've taken that step. Help him. Help her to run to you. Give us the courage to run to you. Give us the courage to run to you humbly. And Lord, for those who are in the midst of suffering right now, and they've been, they've been praying to you and they're saying, God, this is what I need. This is what I need. I need you to do this. And they're so frustrated. They're so empty because you, you've said no. That today, for the first time in their life, they would go, okay. I don't like this. I don't want this. But you've said your grace is sufficient. So I am going to meet you. I am going to run to you. I am going to trust you right here, right now. But God, if if you don't show up, I'm going to die. If you don't show up, I'm not going to make it. And they would step into whatever you've called them to do. Then, Lord, I just want to say thank you that I don't have to ask you to catch them. You always do. Thank you for what you're going to do. In your name we pray. Amen.